For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome along to another episode after a weekend which saw United's unbeaten run come crashing to an end after a buoyant Fulham side put Eric Ten Hag's men to the sword. The upbeat morale since the turn of the year has taken a drastic hit amongst Reds. Ten Hag has returned to the inn, out shake it all about managerial merry-go-round once more and question marks are being raised around many of the first-team squad and if they are to be kept at the club past the summer transfer window. A defeat at the weekend saw our top four chase come to a dramatic halt, or has it? And the never-ending injury list at United continues to do damage. We'll be discussing this and much more on episode 190 of the Stratocast. You're welcome along to this episode of Stratocast. I'm Brian Murphy, and as I'm sure you can tell from the change of voice, this episode sees me stepping into the massive shoes of Sean Connolly, who unfortunately can't be with us tonight, but will return with a belly full of fire for the next episode. Bear with me, folks. I'm a late substitution without the ability of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, so we could be in for a rocky ride. Who knows where this episode could end up? But for sure, it's going to be interesting. Not least because I'm joined by two red rap scallions in Dale O'Donnell. How are we this evening, Dale? I'm all right. I'm depleted after the weekend but as you'll remember when we when we spoke ahead of the game i was predicting a a pretty bad performance and and that's what we got lovely we'll get into that in a minute and our esteemed guest of honor tonight owner of one of the most infamous and dodgy coats ever seen worn at old trafford a man of both questionable fashion sense and fantastic footballing opinions the one and only direct from the sandpit it's johnny escott johnny Uh, oh good thanks mate that's some intro that not seen that coat in a couple of years, to be fair. I don't think I need it out here, but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back in it in a couple of months. What was going through your mind when you put on that coat? For anyone who hasn't seen it, Johnny turned up to Old Trafford with a coat down to his ankles in a pair of shorts right. in a white colour. It was quite peculiar. God's honest truth, 
and this is the God's honest truth, literally, I'd parked at the Bishop's Blaze, just outside the Bishop's Blaze. I think it was, it was thinking it was the first Blazer out protest. And I swear to God, there was a thunderstorm. So I got out of my car, I went back, right, it's, it's thunder. Put my coat on, literally. By the time I got to, to the mega store, it was sunny. And then Bashy Mac, the man himself. Yeah. And the rest is uh, Twitter. <laughs> that was your Rio Ferdinand moment, was it, with the white suit? Yes. The white suit, yeah. I'll tell you what, though, that coat is brilliant. Like, I was tempted to bring it to Dubai, and then I thought, hmm, got a 30 kilo luggage allowance. I think it's about 50 kilos just itself. Um, Good old Bashy Neil, I'll never forgive him, but look. It's all shits and giggles, isn't it, at the end of the day? That's it, that's it. Right, lads, we may as well dive straight into the weekend's debacle we saw on the pitch in Old Trafford. Dale, break it down for me. Not only where did it go wrong, how did it go so badly wrong? What really annoyed me at the weekend is how how slow we started. And then when we conceded a goal, all of a sudden we wanted to go a bit more gung-ho. Why does it take that? You know, we're a team that went into the game on a, a winning run. Every reason to be optimistic at home to a team that's been struggling away from home. And it's just kind of you're kind of questioning how much these kind of some of these players want it, how rarely some of the key ones are showing up this season when they do play. Name out a few names: Bruno Fernandez has been dire for a while, Marcus Rashford not standing up this season, and what we're relying on, which is quite ridiculous, and it's a testament to the players I'm about to mention, but Cobby, Garnacho, Highland. The oldest one of them is 21 years young and new into the first team. That's what we're relying on. and I just think it's a, it's a sorry state of affairs, but managers had one hand behind his back all season, lots of injuries. So we find ourselves in a shit situation again. Ronnie, I'm assuming you got to watch it over there. Did you catch the highlights? What time What time's the game on over in Dubai for you? It wasn't too bad. It was 7 o'clock because we're four hours ahead at the moment. So... The three o'clock kickoffs, yeah. The three o'clock kickoffs are all right. The five o'clock kickoffs are nice. It's just, I mean, now we're out of Europe. It's <laughs> my sleeping patterns improved. Put it that way. They used to hundred percent. They're literally midnight T- jobs. Um, but yeah, it wasn't too bad. Tell me what what did you see the weekend? What 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 did you make of the performance or lack of performance? I just saw a team that had momentum. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. And with two players which we relied on for that momentum in Shaw and Hoyland, we just looked at a completely different team. We looked depleted. We looked lost of ideas. Rashford, look, I, I think most United fans will agree He's better on the left. I mean, he's not been great this season, but Rashford up top on his own is just non-existent. Like, there's no point. So, I think that just changes the team dynamic. He doesn't really know how to play as a centre-forward. So, we've not got that outlet anymore. I think we've even seen Garnacho coming through the middle at one point, um, which kind of works in a way, but then you lose his width. And we just looked a mess. And like Dale said, it it took them to go a goal up to give our lot a kick up the arse when... Really, we should have been playing with that intensity from, I mean, you'd say from the first minute, but you can't really expect that with this team. So you've got to say at the start of the second half, he gives them a bollocking. They come out, they go and win that game. But I think Casemiro going off, that that had a big, big change. Um, and then obviously he had to bring Ericsson on. Yeah, I think he pushed Kobe up a bit higher and dropped Ericsson back a bit. And obviously McTominay pushed on a bit higher and it just didn't work. Um but look, we're going to have performances like that. End of the day, we've had, I think, was were we eight unbeaten, seven or eight unbeaten? And don't get me wrong, we didn't play amazing every game, but we looked, there was positive, there was a lot more positives than negatives. So hopefully it's just a flash in the pan, but, but we'll see. It feels like the most common theme of the season, but the weekend really highlighted the injury issues we face when, as you mentioned, a few key personnel are missing. Luke Shaw now being ruled out potentially for the rest of the season. Sandra Martin is out and our sole striker, which is a bit ridiculous to consider Manchester United having one striker who's a kid, considering Martial is a sick note. He's missing for two or three weeks, probably including the derby, which is a big one. It doesn't bode well for us for the next few games, at least, but for the rest of the season as a whole. But let me ask you something about Sergio Reguilón. Was it a mistake sending him back from his loan? It was a hit and miss loan spell, granted, but given the lack of cover we now have at left back, Tyrell Malassia is nowhere to be seen. Victor Lindelof's been shoehorned in there, a right-legged centre-half playing left-back in a curious enough one. Aaron Wan-Bissaka has gone missing, so Dallow can't shift over to the left. Is it destroying our build-up play as a whole from the start? Are we in serious trouble because of this? Or is there a way we can reshape that defence to make it work? Dale, what do you think of that? I think I'm going to let Johnny answer this one because just before you jumped on, Brian, we we were having a, a bit of a chat about Regulon and he was surprised to see that he's at Brentford all of a sudden. And he was only saying that, you know, we could actually do with him right now. Well, yeah, Johnny, I mean, what do you think? I mean, considering Brentford are currently 2-0 down after nine minutes, I'm not sure whether we could do with him now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, look, I mean, give me Regulon at left-back over a right-footed centre-half in Victor Lindelof. And like I said before, it's affected the team dynamic massively. But there must be something going on there with with Malassia. Like, don't get me wrong, I've I think he's all right. I think he's putting half decent performances. He's a good second choice left back, but sure is becoming the Anthony Marshall of left back, where he's just literally every time he walks on the pitch, he's just counting down the minutes until he goes off again. So what, what's gone on there, I don't know. There must have been, whether it's that Wan-Bissaka was due back and he's had to, it, it, his injuries got worse or whatever. And I just fail to believe that Ten Hag has looked at Shaw and gone, right, you're going to be my left-back for the rest of the season. 
and I'm going to risk having no cover for that. Um, it's a big problem. It's a really big problem. We're sure out for the rest of the season. It, it doesn't bode well at all, I don't think. Biggest problem here, and people are kind of focusing a bit on, on injuries on Ten Hag and, and, and it may be blaming him because a lot of them are, are muscular injuries. But if you look at teams up and down the Premier League, they're all getting injuries. They're all getting these types of injuries. And what it comes from as well is if you look at last season and the amount of fixture congestion there was and minutes and then a World Cup in the winter. And I think Bruno Fernandes, he clocked up more minutes than any other player in Europe last season, in that past year. And all this Bruno takes shattered. a toll on players. Sorry, say Bruno again, Johnny. Bruno shattered. You can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can absolutely. Tell but, but at his age, does that then raise a question? I know we're going to have a bit of a tangent. Do you think then that raises a question about his future at the club because if he's going to be burnt out and he's not performing and he's someone that wants to play the whole time I don't really think he can take Bruno out but he's not playing well is that something to look at as well? If you take Bruno out, I know we got the nil-nil at Liverpool and he wasn't playing but look how look how dumb we look going forward without Bruno yeah. Like, yeah, it gives the ball away but he's the only one that's got the bollocks to try passes that the others don't have the bollocks to so you take Bruno out of that team, especially with no time forward now, you've, you've got no attack. So The only possible way that can work to take Bruno out briefly is if Mason Mount is fit, but obviously Mason Mount hasn't been seen since he signed. So if, if Mason Mount's an option, yeah, you can give Bruno a rest against Newport County, against Forest in the Cup. You can give him a couple of rests here and there. As much as he wants to play every single game, he's got to understand... Your body can't do that. You can't keep your levels at the top of your game if you're playing every single week, two, two, twice a week, three times a week, whatever way it's working out. I think if you could drop out Bruno, pop a Mason Mount in there for a game here and there, you definitely see a far better Bruno Fernandes. But he's definitely not performing. Even since the turn of the year, he's not performed very well. His, his levels have dropped down. His petulance rises when this happens. You saw a clip from him the weekend where he was dropping like a sack of shit and complaining and he was up two seconds later he was perfectly fine so there's definitely question marks over what way Bruno's going to fit in his team at the moment but Brian something you touched on like with, with this topic on injuries you know you mentioned Mason Mount there another one that we can't go to because of an injury so many holes in that team and that's why I think in the summer it's crucial that there is a bit of a squad overall because it seems that in each key department we're lacking players that we really need you know, are we happy with our defence? Is the manager happy with his defence? No, you, you couldn't You wouldn't say so. Midfield, defensive midfielder right now, Casemiro, who was brilliant last season, looks like he's miles past it. He looks like his legs are gone. And this is something that Liverpool had seen last season with Fabinho. When that key ingredient is lacking, you're going to leak goals. You know, you're going to leak goals. So up front, we've won centre-forward. He's 21. We're far too over-reliant on him. We're arguing that we need a new right winger. No, it's there's a lot of work to be done. I think there's a lot of players that need shifting. I think it highlights the drop off in quality from our strongest starting eleven to those that come in to replace them when they're missing. The drop off is massive. I mean, you're losing Hoyland. You're all of a sudden shoehorning Rashford, who doesn't and has openly admitted saying he doesn't like playing up front. You're moving Garnacho out of position to fit in Omari Forson. You're, you're shoehorning Lindelof in at left back. The, the squad depth just isn't there. And the, definitely the quality in squad depth isn't there. So, as we've said many times before, we're facing a summer where once again we need an overhaul. And once again we need to get rid of 10 players. And once again we need to get bring in 10 players. 
It's a constant merry-go-round. And there's another merry-go-round we're going to have to discuss, probably the elephant in the room that has to be discussed, unfortunately, and not for the first time, is the future of our Dutch leader, Eric Ten Hag. Fair to say the media has had knives out for Ten Hag all season, regardless of our form or not. But it looks like the fan base have taken a sharp turn against or towards the dismissing of Ten Hag after the weekend. Is it a knee-jerk reaction after one defeat, have given our form, given we've been unbeaten in 2024, won all games bar one up to Fulham? Or is it time to genuinely consider a new manager? Does this week put forth a challenge to Ten Hag that could see his tenure shortened? Not the first time we've faced these questions, not the first time we've asked these questions on the podcast. However, he did turn the corner. But after the weekend, I think there's a dramatic shift in attitude towards him. Are you, are you keeping him still? Are you keep him till the end of the season reassessing? Or does, for example, a heavy defeat against City Sunday spell the end for Ten Hag? I pardon my language, but anyone that thinks Ten Hag should be leaving United or get sacked is fucking mental. I mean, he's been at the club 18 months. We've seen what happened. I think he got his fully fit first 11 for the first time at the start of this year. And hey, look what fucking happened. Went eight unbeaten, seven unbeaten. We lose a striker. We lose a striker who scored six six games in a row. We lose, on his day, the best left-back in the league, right? And then we don't put in a performance like that. Don't get me wrong. Ten Hag makes some decisions, and I think, what the fuck is he doing? Like, some of, like, some of that, what he said after the game the other day, when he said there's positives to take out, I don't know what he's on about, because there was no positives from that. The only positive from that game was Onana played well, but you can't. I mean, you lost the game. You can't go, oh, well, the keeper played well because that just shows that you got absolutely battered if he's only conceding two and you're saying the keeper's a man of the match. So some of his comments are just saying, mate, just stop talking. But my, my other point with that is as well, so you go and sat Ten Hag, who are you getting? Who's out there? There's no one out there. There's li- there's no one out there that you can look at and go, right, he's I'm 78% more, 78% confident that he's going to come in and do a better job than Ten Hag. There is literally no one. The only one you could make an argument for is probably Xabi Alonso. But he's had one good season. Don't get me wrong, he's smashing it. There's more chance of my fucking grandma getting the job at United than she's been dead five years. So, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy. And it is a knee-jerk reaction. We play we play badly. We lose a game. And everyone's oh, Ten Hag this, Ten Hag that. And the media do it because they know that's what's going to get the clicks. And I get it. Like, they've got fucking livelihoods, whatever. They need to get the clicks. But it's just fucking mental. Ran over, sorry. It's a strange one because the last time we discussed this, my opinion was I could give you a hundred reasons why he should go and I can give you a hundred reasons why he should stay. But I think the core reason for him to stay is, as we've all said for so long now, this merry-go-round of 18 months, manager gone, does no good for anyone. Um, Jim Ratcliffe knows this he, he's he's highlighted it himself he knows this it's a silly thing to do constantly changing the manager you've got to give a fella time and you've got to give him time to you've got to give him time to work in the squad and shape it to what he wants last season great season this season he's he's literally been hamstrung at every fucking corner he's gone around now I'm not making excuses for the fella I thought he got it drastically wrong the weekend I think he's done it more times through the season where he's got decisions, really strange decisions. His in-game management can be questionable at times. Some of his substitutions are a bit baffling. But again, he's he's dealing with a squad that he's losing key players constantly. It's not. It can't be easy as a manager, especially under the scrutiny he's under, to be dealing with that every week. Sorry, Brian, just to put in, I seen a tweet the other day and it's hit the nail on the head and it's some, some geezer on Twitter, I don't know who he is, but there's just some facts about Ten Hag and the, and the team. 
It's the 34th different starting lineup of the season. It's the 23rd different back four combination. It's the 13th different forward combination. The first time the back four has started together and same for the front three. And the record with the midfield is three wins, three, three wins from five or whatever. Ten Hag's not just changing his team because he thinks, oh, you know what? Can't be asked with him today. I can't be asked with that. He's changed it because he's got some choice. So how the fuck can you like sack a manager when he's not like he's he's not got the resources there? But as as we've seen last season, and people kind of joked about it sarcastically, even when we played smaller opposition in cup competitions, he would name pretty much the same eleven if he could. If it was winning, he wouldn't he wouldn't change it. So if he's had if he had that chance, definitely don't think he would see as many times we've changed the team. You know, if he has didn't have players out injured the whole time and I really think that there's not really anyone else out there I'd rather have as United manager there's no one jumping out to me I think we've got a really really good manager a good coach who can develop players but I also think and I know Sean is not here but he he always bangs on about being a systematic manager you have to have players then to fit your system and I look at that team and I don't think it's fully there yet now people can say it's a second season it is a second season, but in the summer, it was also a crazy period for the club. It was the club was in transition, uh, with people bidding for it. We didn't know what the future hold for the ownership, and it's only really this summer that we're going to get to see the club operate in a better in the way it should. They're going to there's going to be changes, and I want him there in the summer, being part of that and going into next season as his chance to turn things around. I don't think we should be putting the trigger this summer because what's the the alternative if it's graham potter but well, fuck me but that's not exciting i think if tin hag was to lose his job between now and the summer or in the summer before as you say Ineos and sir jim come in and start shaking things up i think he'll always for the rest of his career have a little bit of a what if what if i had been allowed to keep my job and what if i'd have been allowed to operate under a proper footballing structure what if i wasn't stuck under glazer ownership solely hamstrung by injuries i think it'll always be a what if and i think to be honest with you a lot of us will think the same thing i, I don't i agree with you there i don't think getting rid of him is the right move i think we're making such changes in the background they can only benefit him I, i've got questions over his signings for sure 100 percent. i don't agree with some of his signings some of them have just flopped completely utterly. I'll personally piggyback Anthony anywhere in the globe he wants to go play football. But again, I just I just feel, and I've had this feeling from the start with him, that he is the right man. That he he we finally hit the fella that's the right guy for the job, who has a bit of bollocks about him. Maybe he comes out in press conferences and says stuff I don't like, like the weekend. I, maybe I would put have preferred some honesty. I would have preferred him to come out and say, yeah, look, fair enough, we were shit. No point saying any different. It's not him. It's not how he acts. But I'd love to see what he's capable of when we get these Baradas and Ashworths and all these lads into their positions. And he's got a bit of backup behind him on the board and people that have the right kind of ability and intelligence and, and football noose to support him in his job of, of building a team. I'd love to see what happens there. I think if he's kept on, and Henry Winter alluded to it, there's going to be some massive changes to that first team this summer. And I have a feeling there could be a couple of big names leaving. Dale, you want to jump in? I one thing I think that'll be a bit of an issue for him is we right now we don't have a football or a sporting director. Ashworth hasn't arrived yet. Until he comes in, I don't think we really know what way 
they're heading with the managerial situation. It obviously might depend on whether he gets top four. But I think the lack of clarity will be an issue. And when you mentioned there at the weekend, you didn't get honesty in his post-match press conference. I think it's very hard for him right now to go out and bash any of these players publicly until he knows 100% that he's going to be in that dressing room in the summer. I think the manager, Man City in the past few years, Guardiola manager, Liverpool in the past few years, Klopp, they've always known that they're the most important figure at those clubs. Ten Hag right now doesn't know that, and that's a worry I have. And it's one of the reasons why I think he's walking a tightrope. I've already said I want him to stay. We've all given our reasons why. But it's very hard for him to operate and maybe give that honesty and that tone to his players when he doesn't fully know if he's going to outlive them. Very fair point. He's, he's probably shooting a bit blind there that he doesn't have the confidence or, or the conviction of, of cracking the whip just in case those behind him don't support him cracking that whip and there's a bit of re- revolt. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a good viewpoint to take in that one. Again, will we get clarity on that in the summer? Will Sir Jim and Ineos clarify straight out? Yeah, he's the man we're going to back. He's staying with us and that's the end of it. That will put a lot of it to bed. There is a lot of cloud around everything at the moment. People are kind of speculating. Sir Jim wants this, Sir Jim wants that. Julian Nagel's man has been approached. He's been at the house and all this other rubbish that we read from the usual sources of bullshit. Um, again, narratives that are being pushed for whatever reasons. Is it agencies? Is it an agent? Is it a person trying to push his name back in the papers? Is it just some fucking prick like Goldbridge making it up for likes? Who knows? But... Them stories are always going to circle around Manchester United because of the stature of the club and the gravity of the situation around it. We're always going to have to deal with those. Unfortunately, and you've just mentioned something a second ago in top four, top four is a question we have to discuss. So in stark contrast to Paul Merson's moronic statement about United shouldn't even be bothered about qualifying for the Champions League because we simply won't win it. So what's the point? We all know a top four is a minimum target every season. Champions League football has a multitude of benefits from attracting certain players to financial and not least is the kind of competition Manchester United should be playing in, regardless. Are we now going to close this gap and secure a spot or is it looking a hell of a lot more unlikely after that Fulham defeat? Bear in mind it's one defeat. Granted, we've got some tough games coming, but are we throwing the towel in and saying we're not getting top four now or are we still going to give it a go? Johnny? I think you've still got to give it a go. I mean... What have you got to lose, really? It's not a case of if you give it a go and it doesn't come off, then you're going to drop out the top 10 or you're going to lose anything. So I think we've got to go for it. And I think, I think the City game is going to be big because we need to, we had momentum. We Again, we weren't playing unbelievably well, but we've, we, were, we were remembering how to win games. And even like last week at Luton, I, I thought they were unlucky not to get a point. But... Those were the you get that those are the games, those are the wins that we pride ourselves on in a way, where you do look at the other team and go, they probably should have got some out of that. But we gritted it out, we dug in, we defended well, we dug in and we got the three points. And I just think I think the sooner Hoyland's back is the better. Because I don't understand, I don't know where the goal's gonna come from. Um but if we somehow manage to fluke a win or a draw against City, or even just play well, even just look like, just make it look like that Fulham game was just just a flash in the pan again. Um, I think we, we, we've we just got to go for it at the end of the day, and if we don't get it, we don't get it. I mean, Villa are going to drop off. 
they've already showed signs that they're dropping off. Spurs, like us, they've got no depth. So if they get a couple of injuries between now and the end of the season, you think they're going to drop off. Um, there's not many more areas that it could go wrong for us. So I feel like at the moment with Shaw and Hoyland out, that's as bad as it's potentially going to get. And obviously Martinez, I keep forgetting to mention Martinez. Um, with them three out, I feel like this is as bad as it's going to get. So it can kind of only get better for us, touch wood. Um, but if we, if we string a run of games together, I mean, look look what we did with that unbeaten run before last week. I mean, we were banging the mix on Friday, on Saturday morning. So why can't we do that again once Hoyland's back? Um, but yeah, we've got to have a go at it. Or is it, is it now down to an FA Cup run for the rest of our season or can we... Can we turn it all back around again? Is it is it a case of, I suppose it's funny in football, it's one defeat. We've gone from being, as Johnny says, right in the mix up to kick off against Fulham, back in the chase, back in the hunt. We're only X amount of points behind. One defeat later, the fickleness of fan base and football turn, rears its head again and goes, oh, the whole season's over. We're fucked. Everything's gone wrong. Go out and batter Forest during the week and get a result against City. Has everyone changed their opinion again and has it gone backwards or... Or is it too little, too late? Do we need to be putting these bread and butter games away? Well, Ten Hag said a few weeks ago that every game was a, a cup final. And we just squandered one against Fulham. I, I think it's a stretch now because is it Villa are eight points ahead of us? And at the weekend, we're playing City, which I think going into that game for a few weeks, we've been kind of anticipating a defeat. Um, it'd be great to get a point or, or to sneak a win, but I think more than likely so he'll be beating us and then that week that defeat last week to Fulham is even worse you know talking two defeats in a row in the league that really put good pushes down Villa win at the weekend and they're 11 points clear of us and I think that's too big of a stretch to catch that's why it's crucial that we go out and get a result really against Forest because we're, we're just talking about Ten Hag and his future it would be fairly bleak if we crash out of the FA Cup this week and then the top four um, race dwindles. I think if that does happen, I think the tide around Tin Hag would definitely turn big time. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, rightly so, it would be fair. If, if, if we get dumped out of the FA Cup during the week and City batter us, which I really fucking hope they don't because I don't want to fly over to Manchester Sunday morning and have a few points and get fucking bummed off City again and be coming home absolutely devastated. But being ever the optimist, I'm going to say we won't. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because like, he's on that knife edge. As much as we want to back him and as much as you feel like he's the right person, it's a results business and crashing out of the FA Cup this week and a batter enough City, that's going to put some serious, serious questions to be raised about him. And uh, those of the people who don't support Ten Hag are going to get a hell of a lot louder and probably justifiably so. So that's going to cause a bit of an issue for everyone. If, if, if you look at it from the perspective of so Dave Brailsford, Radcliffe and the Inuit Sports Group that are now controlling football operations at United, they're looking from the stands right now in the past few weeks of performances. And I know we've been winning games, but I don't think the performances have been very inspiring. Now, you'd hope that they can take into account what we've been mentioning about injuries and when we've had our key players back. Um, we're a lot, lot stronger. And we'd be in a lot, lot better position right now if, if we had those players fit throughout the season. I hope they take that into account. But looking at performances and the way they're talking about best in class, you would be kind of fearing the worst, I think. 
Yeah, it's you hope that you can see the context around the club. I mean, obviously, as they've come into the club, they understand the shit heap that it is at the moment and the rot that's set in under Glazer ownership. And they have to understand and be realistic about the fact that they're almost building from scratch again. They're almost tearing down the whole thing and building foundations back and trying to rebuild the structure and, and, a, and an operation that functions with football at the forefront as opposed to what we've seen under the Glazers and Ed Woodward getting fucking super noodle sponsors and wine sponsors and tyre sponsors and fucking Eskimo hut sponsors. I mean, give us a break. That's brilliant if that's his job and solely his job, but Ed Woodward was probably the best commercial role on the planet. I mean, who's got a noodle sponsor? We do. It's it's outrageous. But when you put Ed Woodward in a room trying to sign the likes of fucking Romelu Lukaku, it's a lot easier to sign a noodle sponsor because that's your job than it is to sign a footballer and give him a semi-attractive wage and not overpay for everything than buy a fat cunt like Lukaku, but we did anyway. Um, yeah, it's a lot of context to be taken, but again, we can only trust we're listening to Jim Radcliffe and Dini Ospreys saying a lot of the right things, almost everything right, to be fair. So it's a lot of faith being put in these lads coming in that they're going to turn things around and get everything right. Don't expect it to happen overnight. Again, although we need it to happen overnight, it's, it's a process. Gardening leave could affect some things for some people coming in. Not the easiest transition. And as Mr. Winter suggested, some lads could have some very fancy gardens by the end of the summer. We're going to move on to a lovely section of the podcast every week. And this week, we're going to give it a bit more time than usual in the listener questions coming in because we've got a couple of really good ones. So I'm going to open this one up to the first. Firstly, I'll give it to you, Dale, first, and we'll follow up with Johnny. Colin Wood on Facebook has asked, who of the present squad would you retain and build a team around? So essentially, who are your key components in the squad that you keep without any question and build your for, your future team around? Licha, Cobby, Garnacho, Hoyland, and a bonus one. Andre Onana. No mention of Bruno Fernandes. No. Um, That's no, interesting. I, uh, probably would have been a different answer a few months ago, but I'm going to say um, not a player that me personally would be building around at the moment. Does that, just to follow up, does that mean that you're of the opinion that you'd be willing to let Bruno Fernandes go for the club this summer if it's a, if a sufficient bid come in? See, why I'm hesitant to answer that is because it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of um, it's going to be a lot of change at the club, and like you ask anyone who should who should go, we can all rack off a big list, but you can't sell everyone, you know. So like getting rid of Bruno Fernandes, he's one of the leaders in the team one of our best performers, or not this season, but one of our top players, there's no denying that. But it's a time for big decisions, and you're asking who would build a team around. No, I think I'd be jumping to the likes of Cobby and Garnacho and something a bit more fresh. So we've stripped Harry Maguire of the captaincy. We've now given it to Bruno Fernandes. And Bruno Fernandes isn't going to be kept in the team to build it around it. Very, very, very interesting, Mr. O'Donnell. Mr. Escott, your thoughts on this one? I agree with Dale on everything apart from Bruno. I think, let's be honest, he's one of the only ones that looks like he's given a toss this season. And yeah, he's been nowhere near as good as what he has been in the past. 
but we know that that quality is there and we know that that quality will come back. He just, like we mentioned before, he probably needs a rest. The geezer's probably absolutely fucking knackered. I think if he has, I don't know, I don't follow international football. It bores the shit out of me, to be honest with you. But I don't know what the crack is with this summer, but if he can get a rest, he can get a pat on the back from hopefully Ten Hag in the summer and say, look, you're my captain. You're going to do, you're going to lead this team next season. Just gets a bit of a confidence boost from that. Ratcliffe comes in and says, look, mate, I love you. Like, you run your bollocks off. Yeah, you fucking fall to the ground every time someone runs within 10 yards of you, which you need to cut out, which I think everyone agrees on because it's pathetic. But it honestly, sometimes I watch us and I just think he's the only one that cares. So why on earth would we let him go? Um, but I do think that spine of Onana, Martinez, Kobe, Bruno, Garnacho, and Hoyland, if you had a few players around them, I honestly think when we, because we will eventually win the league again, how long that'll take, I don't know. But if we're going to win the league in the next five years, I think the team will have all those players in it. I'll can be surprised. Can, can, can I just add to, just sorry to cut across to you, Johnny, with, with the whole thing with Bruno, what I think is a big problem in the team, maybe it might not be a matter of, of maybe I'm being too harsh on Bruno. I, I think a, a big issue with this team is you've got Bruno and Rashford in the same team. I wonder whether you can have the two of them in there and whether you can only really afford to have one. But why though? Is that... I, I I I agree with you, but yeah, like, I just think Bruno. They're they're kind of. I wouldn't go as far as say they're they're luxury. They're not luxury players, but they're players that kind of work in moments and key moments, and they create those sparks. I'm not saying you can't you, you can't have too many of them, but they have a bit of a license that other players don't have. Like Bruno, for instance, he's got a license where he can lose the ball, and at times when I watch Rashford, he's got a license where he can run into dead ends the whole time. And I just wonder whether we're lacking a key ingredient because we're shoehorning too many of these type of players in. Tommy Riley on Twitter puts a question forward that's really going to hit home on this one. Do you think Ten Hag has abandoned his own principles because he knows deep down United's two most valuable players in Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford can't play his system? Basically... He's never going to be able to sell them, so he's had to adjust all season to fit them in and since he's come in. So I think this ties back into what you're saying, Dale. So con continue on with your explanation of it, but I think Tommy puts that question to exactly the right time. Yeah, I think that's exactly it because it goes back to what we're saying about having a systematic manager. And has he gone back on his principles? Maybe a little bit, but we shouldn't be too surprised because when Ten Hag went to Ajax, he wasn't exactly known for, for playing the Ajax brand of football. Since he's come to United, he spoke about when he goes to a club, he tries to capture their DNA and, and play their way. <laughs> the, the irony in that is, in recent times, it's been pretty dull and maybe he's been only watching United for the past 10 years because <laughs> it, it does look like a bit of our DNA. Is he talking the DNA everything's from Louis van Gaal's time at the club? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Do you know, so look, I think it will get better if he had better players in um, at the club. And, and also, no, players that fit his system. And I think that's what we're getting back to. Bruno, it might not be a matter of, of shifting him. It might just be a matter of maybe building around him 
and maybe getting rid of Rashford. Lead us on to the next question from Matty Franklin on Facebook. There's a bit of an ongoing theme to this, but it, it works well because he asks, what do we do with Rashford? He's proven he can be world-class at times, but it's at times and something just isn't working. I think the whole entire fan base at the moment, just to, to deviate from that, or not to deviate, but to, to expand on it, I think the whole fan base is currently fairly pissed off at Marcus because start of the season, he wasn't playing very well, and I went on a rant in his defence after a few games saying, lads, relax. He's just saved our bollocks week in, week out last season. He's shown what he's capable of. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Then you've got the, the sample base of great season, bad season, great season, bad season. And in the contract, the big bumper contract, his own personal issues in the background, which are rumoured every single week, what's going on. But since I got up my soapbox and I defended him valiantly, he's basically shit all over me because he's been absolutely brutal every week. And he's been out in the place in Belfast with some tramp that sold the story to the papers. And he's just been sleeping a fucking ghost. Barring the one game he scored, I can't remember, I can't, off the top of my head, I've drawn blank, but the one game he scored one, and he started gesturing to the fan base as if to say, go on, what are you all talking about now, you cunts? Well, we're talking about the same thing we were talking about for the next couple of games, Marcus, because you didn't back it up, you were shit again. So, is it time to settle Marcus Rashford this summer? Massive, massive, now, I'm, I'm going to be honest, selling Marcus Rashford is a fucking huge decision. He's Mr. Manchester United. He's the United boy. He's the local lad. He's the face of the club. He's, he, he feeds kids, doesn't score goals. Is it, is it time to cash in if we get a, a big offer for him? Is it the right time for him to move on personally for his career? Has he hit the, hit the end of the road at Manchester United? Johnny? Well, I think he has. And I think that point that you just made, that he should get it, like he should, the, obviously he's, He's a local lad. I feel like that makes it worse, though, because he's been immersed in United all his life. It's not like I'm not using... Well, I'll use Anthony as an example. He's just come to the... Well, say just club come 18 months ago. He doesn't get the whole United DNA thing. Rashford does, yet he doesn't look like he's arsed. Like, Rashford was bought up two, three miles away from me. This That area of Manchester is United. Apart from Withingshaw, because he's bought up in Fletcher Moss way, I think, or whatever. That's United. Everyone there is, is United. Everyone that goes to school is United. So you're bought up to look at Old Trafford and go, fucking hell, like, I can't wait. I, like, I pray to God I play there one day, right? So that doesn't leave you. So why am I now seeing Rashford throw his, uh, throw his toys out of the pram? He's not tracking back. And he's just, he doesn't care. It's like he's got, he's had a good seat. Don't get me wrong. Last season, he was unbelievable. And I was like, you, Brian, like at the start of the season, at the start of the season, I was like, look, he's probably just a bit hungover from last season. Well, turned out to be he was hungover from fucking something else by the looks of it. And he's just having a rough start. Whereas now, there's no excuses. He went to Belfast. He come back. Again, I forgot which game it was that he scored. And you're like, right, bang. Got a reaction out of him buzzing. Thought, here we go. He's turned over a leaf now. Next game, he was fucking even worse than he was the game before that. So it's like, like, I mean, if PSG came in now, I don't think they would because I don't even think they're that stupid with him in this sort of form. If Al Morrison's just come to Dubai to play for Arjan, I think, he's a good lad with I like Ravel. I'll tell you what, Rashford won't fucking get a game for them at the moment. 
And I think they're eighth in the United Arab Emirates League. Honestly, like, he just needs a kick up the arse. And I pray, if he's going to get that kick up the arse and he's going to return to that form last season, I pray he's at United. But I, I just can't see it. Give me a figure, Johnny. What's the, what's the magic number to take Marcus Rashford away from Manchester United? What's he worth? Honestly, I'd take 50 million. Ooh, that is a fucking shocker. I, I feel I feel like he's creating an don't get me wrong, I'm maybe well off the mark. I don't know what goes on in the changing room, but I feel like he's creating a bit of an atmosphere as well. Like when the younger kids, not necessarily the younger kids, but when the players are seeing someone like him who's been brought up with his United DNA looks so unasked, what's that gonna say to them? So I just feel like it's not just on the pitch, I just feel like he's off it. And you see when his behavior going to Belfast and then saying, Oh, I can't come in on Pauly when he was just hungover. That's just that attitude's horrendous. And the last thing you need is someone like that around the club. So maybe I mean we've got no loss, losses to cut with him. It's not like we paid 90 million for him. So take 50 million. We get a decent second striker for 50 million, and then we've got Garnacho on the right, and we can get an half decent left winger in. Sink. Given the stature of Marcus Rashford globally, the, the the media following he has, the popularity he has outside of obviously his shit performances, but in general, he's he's slightly iconic in the game at the moment in the England setup, in the United setup. Even though he's not performing this season, he's still one of those big names that people talk about. If you're seeing Jack Grealish, don't make me laugh, come in for 100 million, and Marcus Rashford is in essentially the prime of his career. He's having a bad season at United. He's lost his way a bit off the field. Surely you can't be getting 50 million from him. We paid fucking 80 for Anthony and the country spins around the sideline like fucking the Tasmanian devil. I don't think 50 million takes Marcus Rashford from United, to be honest with you. I think it's got to be got to be closer to the three figures. Has to be. And just, I, I just want to give him a bit of credit as well because I know it hasn't been a good season for him. I know everything you've pointed out about his behaviour off the pitch has been, has been worrying, but just looking at it a bit deeper, isn't it as well a very much out of character? Because I can't think of the top of my head what age he is right now, but I don't remember many cases since he's come through that he's caused many issues. Now, I know he has, he's had um, problems before, which Ollie helped him out with and got him back scoring, but, you know, as a 26-year-old, he's, you know, he's in the first team a good few years, I wouldn't label him problematic. I just wonder what the problem is, how deep it is. And I think I think it's beyond the manager. I think there could be a bit of anger towards the club. Um, I've heard a few things about Rashford not happy about where certain snippets of information have been leaked out to a certain um, fan channel. And that's upset him. So I think there's, there's, there's bigger issues to play. And it's not I'm like making excuses for him. I'm not happy about what's happened. I'm not happy with his performances. But I just think as a as someone that's been in the first team, I, I don't think he's problematic. I wouldn't say he's problematic as such. I think I think he definitely saw his arse when Sancho got fucked off. I think that definitely hurt his feelings a bit because he's one of his little buddies. Um, that's a red flag, by the way. That is a major is a red, red flag. flag. Yeah. Of course it is. Um, you saw Jesse Lingard leave the club. Beans, beans, beans. That was another little Rashford incident. Worrying again that he's in that kind of that kind of circle. He was with the Pogba's, the Lingars, the Sancho's, these boys having all the fucking the laughs and the bants and all this crack. But 
that's all well and good if you're winning titles. I will accept, I accepted David Beckham, who is my favourite Manchester United player of all time, wearing a sarong. I considered buying a sarong because we were winning the treble. We were winning titles. You can get away with that shit if you're doing that. You can't get away with popping over to Belfast, hitting a nightclub with some random fucking slapper that works in a restaurant, out for the night on, on Grey Goose Vodkas and dropping stinkers. It doesn't work. You can't be coming off who was it? Oh, he come. He come on the week after with these fucking dangly earrings that would have been would have been seen in the Oscars. These mad looking things, mate. You've you've been playing fucking shit. Take them big dangly things out of your ears. Go and score a hat trick and come back and put on your fucking sarongs and your earrings. But you've got to relax on this bullshit. Like the the, the circus around the player. You'll accept it. You'll accept lads inside the dressing room dancing around doing their fucking TikToks and all this nonsense. If you're proving it on the field. If you're earning your wages, the stupid wages you're on, if you're giving big performances, that's fine. If you're playing like shit, keep the head down, knuckle down. Johnny? Well, you know what the sad thing is? We're saying this because we expect more from him. We're saying this because we know there's a very, very, very good footballer there. As he showed last season, he was one of the most prolific footballers in, the, in Europe, in the world. And deep down, he's a good lad. He really is a good lad. He's come from humble beginnings. He's done all that stuff for charity, feeding the kids or whatever. And yet this season, it's like it's just it's just someone else, someone completely different. Whether that is down to what's happened. I know Lingard was a couple of seasons ago. Whether that is the Sancho situation, whether that is, is even maybe the Ronaldo situation, I don't know. But it, it's like, it's like, it's just, he's gone away in the summer. Whether you, maybe the World Cup had a, I know, well, that was a year ago, one of 18 months. But it's just, because he wasn't even... The start of 2023, he just looked a bit different. And I don't think he scored with like seven or eight games. I think he went seven or eight games without scoring towards the end. But it's just like he's just a completely different player to last season. And it's it, it's sad. That's why we're so annoyed because it's kind of like having a missus going on holiday and then coming back and she's just not the same. And it's like, oh, well, the relationship's kind of done with, isn't it, by the looks of it. And then you're just clinging on, hoping that it's going to change. But... Deep down, you know it's not. And it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm sad. I'm sad because I want the kid to do well. There's nothing better than seeing a kid bought up from near you, smashing it. And like, even if like he smashed it and went to Real Madrid and lived that whole mad lifestyle and bagged for fun in like Madrid, I'd be buzzing. But I'd, yeah, I just don't know what's going on with him. And if it is deep, if it is deeper, I hope to God he gets all the help he can get because... If it is that deep, he, he needs that help. He maybe he needs six, seven months out of the game. Maybe he needs to recharge, reset mentally and physically. Maybe that's what it's going to take. And if he said, "Look, that's what I need," I'd be more than happy to keep him. But something needs to change. We did that with Jaden Sancho. Sancho had mental health issues, and we and the entire fan base, including Eric Ten Hag, backed him a hundred percent, gave him the space he needed, welcomed him getting that help welcomed him back into the side with a big smile on his face and he just absolutely fucking shoved the back out short again, which is a killer. But I think what you said about Rashford is one of the best takes I've, I've heard on the situation so far. The reason we're so critical and the reason we're so pissed off with him is because we expect so much more from him in particular because he is supposed to be the one who gets it. He is supposed to be the fellow who understands everything. He's supposed to live, breed, drink, sleep, eat, repeat Manchester United. And what we're seeing on the pitch definitely doesn't reflect that at the moment. 
if I was to speculate, I reckon there's something going on drastically in the background. I don't think the team that are around him are helping him in any way, shape or form. His brother in being involved in it, family involved in anything, never bodes well for me. In any aspect of football, look at that guy. What was the guy? The French lab was supposed to come to us from Juve from was last season, midfield. Yeah, yeah. His mother was involved in it. Like, she's a fucking head case. I mean, getting having your family involved in your business and especially a profile that high, it's it's dodgy. It either goes very, very well or it can be an issue because as we've speculated around Jaden Sancho, too many yes men, too many people saying, yes, Marcus, you are the star. Yes, Marcus, you're great. Yes, Marcus, you deserve four million a week. Yes, Marcus, you can go on the piss in Belfast. Doesn't work out very well. And maybe that's what we're seeing. Maybe we're seeing a background team that aren't suited to what he needs at the moment. And I mean, he's changed a few personnel around him. One in particular that might not have might not have helped his case. Um, Dale, I haven't given you a chance in this one, but are you going to let Marcus Rashford go this summer? And if so, what is the figure? I don't want to. Um, I don't want to think you definitely get over 100 million for him. But again, Johnny touched on it because these criticisms we have is because we expect so much of him. And I think that's what I'm kind of hanging on to and the reason why I don't want to sell Rashford. I think the idea of us selling him an academy graduate with so much talent and ability that we know of. He scored 30 goals last season. It's just wrong. Um, I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's not something that you ever want to see happen. You know, with the, the expectations for him to be gone, go on to be our star. Going into this season, he was our star. That's kind of starting to change now, and it's looking like our star right now is Garnacho. Um Look, I think it goes back to what I was speaking about with Bruno. I do think one of them should be sold in the summer. I'm not 100% convinced that it has to be one or the other, but I think that one of them should be moved on and cashed in on, and we should put our money elsewhere. I think this is a pretty groundbreaking episode because we're discussing the current Manchester United captain, a fellow who came in and just fucking ripped the league to pieces potentially being sold this summer or Mr. Manchester United local lad star of the show 30 goals last season getting sold this season and you know and I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong by any shape or form I'm not saying you're wrong but it's also Personally, a scary prospect because we're also going to get rid of a lot of other players so like considering the other that's what I'm worried about I'm not saying that we have to get rid of one of these two key players so it might be thrown into the mix because we also consider the amount of players leaving this summer. You have Casemiro, likely. Varane not going to be getting a new contract. Who else is on at the end of their deals? You have Wambasaka likely to leave. Sancho likely to leave. Donny van de Beek likely to go. It's just a lot, a lot of players, a long list. And they were thrown on the likes of Rashford and... Bruno, it's big, but I, I think people listening, I'm, I'm not pushing that they want, I want them out. Hopefully you can see what point I'm trying to make is that I think having them both in the team is causing, the best word is friction. If I'm honest, if I was to give my brutal, honest answer on this situation, I would sell Marcus Rashford this summer based on what happens for the rest of the season. If 
he continues the, the form he's in and he can continues the, the, the demure he's in and, and the, the body language and the attitude on the pitch, if that continues through this top four challenge and FA Cup run, if he just simply doesn't look like he gives a bollocks coming into the season, I'd say fair enough. It's probably not going to work out because you've given a full entire season looking like a guy who doesn't want to be here. And if that's the case, fair enough. And maybe that is what he wants. Maybe in the background, he's thinking to himself, yes, I do want to go. Would I be sad to see him leave? Yeah, for the reasons you've given, absolutely. I'd, I'd hate to see someone's career at United end like that. But I, I really hope it turns around, but his body language does not endear me whatsoever at the moment. And again, if he does go, I think three figures would be needed. Johnny? Something we've not mentioned. Has he just been sussed out by defenders? And that might have just got to him. Uh, did defenders know how to defend against him now? And he's tried things because all he does now, all seems to happen, he just runs into defenders. Do they now know how to defend him? And then in his head, he's gone, shit, like I've lost my trick here. What do I do? And then that's obviously instigated him, instigated the confidence going. Like, I mean, I've not heard many people suggest that. I'm not saying it is the case, but I mean, that could well be what's happened. And he just can't improve. It would be a significant, it's a significant drop, though, if, if if that's the reason that defenders have just copped on to him. Because, you no, know, last season, 30 goals. So what we're seeing now, it's like, what, did, did all the defenders in the Premier League get together on a WhatsApp group? And, like, you know, this is how you saw out Rashford. Because, you know, if that's the case, they're all fucking honest. <laughs> If I see Marcus Rashford run into the right back once more, I'm probably going to beat my head off a wall until it bleeds. It's so frustrating. I get your point, Johnny. I know what you're saying, even though Dale has just slapped you across the fence. I get your point completely. He's He looks devoid of any ideas. He's just gets the ball head down, runs straight into the defender, and he doesn't have any tricks up his sleeve or any, any style or creativity. But again, like last season, he was devastating. The, the only word you can use for Rashford last season was devastating. He was coming off that left wing and he was causing havoc to every team he came up against. Being in Europe, being in the league, he was just, he was devastating. And as Dale says, the drop-off from that level of being absolutely sensational to absolute dog shit. There must have been an interesting WhatsApp group, that's all I can say. I think, I think it, it takes more than a text message from Seamus Coleman to Lucas, didn't you? <laughs> right lads I'm going to we're going to have one more question before I finish up with a, a more amusing one Eugene Regan on Twitter has put forth a question and it's one that I've asked myself on this podcast earlier in the season and it's one that I ask myself week in week out is the captaincy too much for Bruno Fernandes Dale I think Bruno is a leader without needing the captain's armband. Um, but I can see why he was selected because we haven't got many leaders. Um, I think my choices will, would be, if I had a choice and he was fit, I'd love Leach as captain. But there's probably a bit of bias in that. So are you saying Fernandez was picked because of a lack of other options? Yeah, no, 100%. I don't think there was... They're like that was the whole debate I think we were all having. Um, 
the options that were being put forward, a lot of them were more, a lot of us were more jumping to why they shouldn't be captain. Like there was even suggestions last season that David De Gea um, should be captain. You know, it, that was one of the candidates. So yeah, I think it was he was the the best pick out of a, a poor bunch of leaders. Like I mean, he, he can still have his influence as a leader without being captain. I feel. Just on a quick tangent, and I'm not going to let Johnny reply to this because I know his feelings on Olana, but I miss David here. I'm going to say it straight out. I miss him. I miss him. And if I hear the words from a commentator, now Peter Drury would put it far more eloquently than I will. Andrew Olana was rooted to the spot. He sure was. He was fucking concrete to the spot. Didn't move a single muscle in his body as that fucker from Fulham passed the ball into the net. I almost, I wasn't at the game couldn't make it. I almost went through the television to assault on Anna for not fucking at least making an attempt. I miss David here. I do. I saw a picture of him today on Twitter and I was like, do you know what? For all your faults, you fucking at least you could stop a shot. You were all right. But then again, I suppose in Onana's defence, he has faced 6,372,145 shots this season so far. So he's probably saved quite a few. I, I, I think he's Bruno, been okay lately. He's been fucking shite. He's he's shite. He's shite. He's shite. I'm not going to change my mind on him. I don't like him. I don't think he's going to be the man to, to do the job. I know we're, we're supposed to be talking about Bruno, but I can't buy it. I can't take on Anna as I can't believe we've gotten rid of a guy. Not look at his smile okay, and think like I have to like him. No, right. I I can't believe we got rid of a guy. Okay, his feet were dodgy for passing, but he was fucking phenomenal as a shot stopper. He yeah, was simply phenomenal. But that ability started to go though. He started. He started to like let goals in, which a few years ago he, well, he did. He did. He did. But like we've we've moved from that type of keeper to a fellow who got sat in his arse and chipped from six yards out, fell over his own legs. He literally stood there, watched the ball go past in the weekend, and was like, "Go on, fuck it, have a goal. Go, ah, you deserve it. Enjoy your moment. Have a big one. Go on to fuck." He's had some horrific. He's the reason, and you can say I'm being an absolute cunt to him. He's the reason I'm not going on a European away last week. Because he fucked us in Europe. More often than once, he fucked us in Europe. It's his fault that we are not still in Europe. It is no one else's fault. It is Andrew and Anna's fault. Simply and solely, he's responsible for our European exit. He just, he's, he's, he's got something about him. Not the worst keeper I've ever seen. But I can't understand how he's deemed this phenomenal superstar keeper. Because he can play a couple of pure law passes now and again. You gotta stop shots, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta give more than that. And considering you've got a defense full of fucking dickheads in front of you, you've got to be right on your game. I just don't think he is. I can't see him being the man. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I'll hold my hands up and I'll gladly admit I'm wrong, but I don't see it. I know you're a fan, Johnny. Come on, give it to me. Both barrels. I just think, look, like I think it's so hard for a keeper to come in and hit the ground running straight away. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of goals he's let in this season that he should have saved. But then I feel like for the past two seasons with De Gea, there's also been that maybe not as many, like in proportion or whatever, in the same in like the same time period or whatever. But I think I think people just forget how like scary De Gea was with his feet last season. Like every time he got the ball at his feet, you were thinking it's going to an opposition player within ten yards. And I do think I think you've seen recently Onana is very much a confidence player. He cocked up a lot at the start of the season, and I think I think he admitted that in a, uh, I think it was it Sky Sports he did an interview with, 
he said, like, I got off to a rough start, really rough start. And look, he made a few good saves the other day. He made a few good saves the week before. I don't think it was Luton. I think it was the game before Luton. Like, don't get me wrong. They're not where you think, oh, my God, how has he saved that? They're good saves. They're decent saves. So I just think with a bit more confidence, with a season under his belt, I think he'll be good for us next year. I really, really do. And I just think you've got... Obviously, you can't give him as much time as like a manager necessarily, but I think to fuck, some, to fuck a keeper off after a season is harsh, really harsh. I think as well, what you didn't mention is you need to set a back four in front of him. Exactly. I think every, every, every goalkeeper, I think every any, any of those positions in defence, goalkeeper, centre-back, you're a centre-back and the partner beside you is changing from one week to the other. Yeah, that's not good. And the same thing if your your fullbacks are changing, you have to have that settled. And I don't think you'd ever see a team win a Premier League title if they're chopping and changing their back four and goalkeeper um, throughout the season. If Sir Alex Ferguson can fuck Massimo Tibi off after about twenty minutes, I reckon he'd fuck Lana off after a week. And let's be honest about it. It's time's changed, though. No, I know. I changed. We're talking about we're gone we're gone completely off tangent. Bruno's captain, see Johnny. Is it too much for him? I I agree with Dale for once. I, I get what he's saying. I think he'd be good. He's a good vice captain. I mean, I don't mind him as captain because I love Bruno and I'm don't get me wrong, like I said before, he pisses me off. But I think he's our best player. I still do. But this was why I was so big on getting someone like Declan Rice in, in the summer, and I know it probably wasn't doable. But if we get Declan Rice in, he's a sort of player you could have given the captaincy to straight away. And you know he's going to play. He's not injury prone. You know he's going to play 35 games a season for you. You've not got that worry. Whereas I think Ten Hag probably did want to give it to Martinez, but he was looking at his injury at the end of last season thinking, mm, how much are you going to play for me next season? And he's obviously giving it Bruno. He knows Bruno is going to play every game because he's fucking, that's all he's done. So he knows he's going to have that consistent, that consistent captain. Whereas... Who else do you give it to? Like, can't give it Dallow. Like, don't get me wrong, I think he's done all right recently. You, well, you can't really give it Onana. You can't, definitely can't give it Rashford. Look at the players who you know are going to be in that team every week. I mean, you could probably make a case for Hoyland, but again, he's very young. So, Casemiro, he's going to be gone this season. Mainu, we didn't know what the crap was with him at the start of the season. Who to give the captaincy to? But this is why I think you need another leader in there. You need, obviously, I'm not saying we're going to get him now. There's not absolutely no chance. But if you did get a Declan Rice in now and let Bruno have the captaincy for another year and let a player like a leader grow into that role, and then give it him after next season, I think that that would work. But I think for the time being, Bruno is the best captain we can have. I think it was. A, it's a marriage of convenience, really. He's, he was the only really suitable candidate. I know I know none of us really thought he was a prime example of a captain. He's a leader. He's gonna I've always questioned the fact that when our back's against the wall, are you going to look at Bruno Fernandez as a player on, on the same team as him? And is he going to be doing the Roy Keane, grabbing you by the scruff of the neck saying, right, you've given me a hundred percent. I need a hundred and five. We need to get out of the shit here. You've got to give it to me. He's not that kind of fella. He's probably going to be rolling around the ground bitching at the ref saying that should have been a free kick. Do you know, it's his style of, of leadership is maybe he's very good in the dressing room. I don't know. He, he used to lead by example by his performances. His performances have dropped off. So I can see why people question his captaincy. But again, 
as you both rightly suggest, who do you give it to? Johnny, I'm going to finish up on this one. It would be unfair of me not to ask you this question before we leave. Colin Bradley has asked me on Twitter, ask Johnny how good his coach at Flixton Juniors was. So give us a bit of insight on that one. Yeah, that was a, it actually wasn't Colin, to be fair. Colin was like the, how would you call it? Uh, self-appointed assistant. That might be cool. But yeah, that uh, that Flixton Juniors team, we're all right, to be fair. We, uh, I was a goalkeeper back then. I remember pissing a few people off. I was a bit of a prick. Still, I'm a bit of a prick, admittedly. But um, not much has changed. Yeah, exactly. I packed down you. Um, but yeah, nah, they were good. Cole's good. His son played Sam. Uh, I think he's working like aero engineering now. So aeroplane and something like that, anyway. But I might message Sam asking uh, see if he can lend me a few quid if that's what he's doing. Um, but yeah, Cole's Cole's a good bloke. Big United fan. Always, every time I go back now, I always seem to see him at games. There's no man living in, in the lights of Dubai that needs to loan a few quid off anybody else. Don't be having us on. You've not Johnny, seen how my weekly food shop cost me. Fucking hell. <laughs> Johnny, thank you so much for coming on Australia Class. Just give us yeah, a, a shout out. What, how, how can people follow you on social media if they want to catch up with you? Uh, Johnny Escott, J-O-N-N-Y-E-S-C-O-T-T on Twitter. Um, don't try and follow me on Instagram, that's private. <laughs> that's where all the naughty pictures go. Only fans. How can people reach you on social media? You can get me at O'Donnell Dale on Twitter and, of course, follow Strike News, Strikecast, and subscribe on the podcast platforms. Also, please give a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That really helps out. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been Brian Murphy sitting into Sean Connolly's hot seat as host for tonight. I'm sure I'll take a few pelters for it, but hopefully I haven't bored you to death and I've done a sufficient job of guiding us along with two rascals in red sitting beside me. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at DayTripInRed, which as I've said before, I wouldn't advise you doing because I talk on a massive amount of bollocks. If you don't subscribe to the podcast, I will place stink bombs in your letterbox weekly until you do. Thank you very much for listening. This has been episode 190 of the Stratocast. We'll see you next week. Up the Reds. We're like Gary Lineker, just less of a cock. <laughs>